Hello, my friends. Welcome back to the Bloom and Tell podcast. My name is Nicole Davis, and in today's episode, I'm going to be interviewing another one of my content creator friends. Her name is Susie, and she is a North American in the UK, like myself. And not only have we connected over social media, we have also connected just as friends. And I'm loving bringing a few of the people that I've connected with, not only on a social media and fellow content creator level, but also a friendship level as well, because I feel like it's really bringing you a more intimate conversation. Now, Susie and I are going to talk about social media and how we can do social media a little bit better, because as you know, on this podcast, we talk about leveling up and we talk, we're talking specifically this season, how we can do things better, but not necessarily needing to do more of it. And with that being said, Susie is going to give us some of her best practices in how we can do social media a little bit better, whether you are a content creator or you are a average consumer of social media. So if that sounds like something that you are interested in and you're wanting to level up with your social media consumption, I really urge you to grab a pen and paper, grab a cup of tea and take some notes because Susie is going to give you some tips in this episode that aren't the typical tips that you will hear from any other digital wellness practitioners. I I really think that you'll benefit from it, regardless if you are a content creator or an average person that is consuming social media. So with that, let's get into today's episode. Welcome to Bloom and Tell, where we celebrate beauty, honor femininity, and getting creative is a daily necessity instead of a luxury. So join me, grab a cup of tea, head out into the garden, take a deep breath in, relax and let's slow down join me your host nicole while i share just how i'm blooming where i'm planted and how i'm growing where i need to grow and how you can do so too when we learn to bloom let's share with others how they can do so too let's bloom and tell Hi, Susie. Thank you so much for joining me in this first season of the podcast. It's been a long time coming. (laughs) It's been a long time coming. And I know you're always pushing me towards getting things done and reaching my goals. So I appreciate that friendly support that keeps me going. Yes, of course. Hi, Nicole. It's an honor to be on your show. And you know that you and I can talk for ages. So I'm excited. Totally. To uh, let let people in on on our chat, <laughs> our North American chats here in England. <laughs> yes, <laughs> we've got to stick together, right, Susie? I would have introduced you briefly, but I would love to hear in your own own words what you do and your journey on social media. Yes, so my name is Susie, and I am a Oh, this is like, what do I even say? Right. I I am an entrepreneur. I am an American living in England and I wear many hats. I am a wellness coach. I'm a digital wellness educator. I am a freelance digital marketer and content creator. And I really enjoy and have embraced doing lots of different things. Mm. I used to try to kind of stifle that about myself and like choose one path and really stick to it. And I was really into my wellness coaching and really into fitness. And in the last kind of, you know, three years, I would say over the pandemic, I've really explored how, you know, letting all these different sides of myself, my multi-passionate entrepreneur self shine and being okay with that. That's been a huge learning curve for me. 
And I think that especially in the world of social media, we are taught to niche down and only talk about one thing. And I think when you are a full-time entrepreneur and you spend a lot of time on social media, that can start bleeding into your actual regular life and how you identify. And I really wanted to make sure that I was being who I wanted to be both online and offline. And I do still think it's important, you know, especially when you start an account to have a really specific niche. But I also think that some of us really are destined to do a lot of different things at once. And I think that that's okay too. Totally. Totally. Well, thank you for sharing that. I haven't told you. So I've said this in so many podcast episodes thus far, because there's a few people that I've asked to come on and they're like, yeah, I'm there. And I'm like, I haven't even told you what we're talking about, but (laughs) (laughs) Um, I don't care what we're talking about. I'll I'll talk to you about whatever. (laughs) Right. So obviously, you know, a little bit about me. I've had my journey online and stuff and niching down is something that is really crucial, but I feel like the pandemic really showed me what do I want to talk about? How do I want to show up? And I'm someone that is like you, who is multi-passionate, but what I learned was yes, a niche is important. And with that, you can do multiple things, but it, there will need to be some strategy that goes into that if you are going to do those multiple things. And that's where you and I totally. have spoken where it's like, you know, I'm doing this this week and I'm doing this this week. And then I go back and I circle around and it's like, oh, I really needed to do this before doing this. And so I think that's the thing with the, on- the online spaces is that no one's here telling you what you need to do first. So then there's a lot of, what is that? Um, Like trying and failing and then realizing what you needed to do before that. Yeah. And so with that, this first episode or this first season of the podcast, I didn't want to come out with a podcast that was just going to be about marketing because there's so much more to life than that. And so this first season, the theme is better and not more. And so I wanted to have a conversation with you today about how we can do social media better, but not necessarily doing more of it. Does that sound like something you could speak to today? Yes, definitely. And I think that really reflects my own journey because I'm definitely doing my social media, in my opinion, better and doing a lot less than I Mm. used to be doing for Mm. sure. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And that's the thing. I hear so many, you know, content creators new or old, and they think you've got to be posting all of this and doing all of this. And yeah, you might see some growth with that, but you're also going to be quickly burning out. And I think we live in a day and age of Gary Vee where I love him, but he also often talks about, you know, document, don't create and put out as much content as possible. And although I think, yes, put out as much content as possible, that shouldn't be at the the risk of your own mental health, your own sanity, your personal relationships. So could you tell us a little bit about how you manage or navigate your social media better? Yes, absolutely. And I agree with you. And I think a great starting point is to also think about what your goal is with your social media, because not everyone's goal is growth. Right. And I think that that narrative is pushed so hard on social media. It is pushed so hard, how to grow your account, how to grow your income, how to grow your followers, how to grow your community. And it's like, what if 
someone's goal isn't to grow. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I don't think anyone would be upset about growing, but I think people try to rush that process and think that that is the key to success when really to do social media better is to be showing up authentically, talking about something that you are genuinely passionate about and sticking the course long enough to see and to learn those lessons and to say, okay, I was interested in this. I gave it my all for this amount of time. And now I'm more interested in this, or I see a gap in the market, or I see that my audience or the people that I am attracting, they want this from me. Right. And so I started my online journey with travel blogging and I moved to Thailand out of grad school. I got my master's in education and I started really just as a way to stay connected to my friends and family. When I moved abroad, I didn't know like what my reception would be like in Thailand. I didn't know if I would be able to keep up with everyone with the time difference. And so I was like, well, I'm just going to share my journey about teaching in Thailand on a blog. And that's how I started. And I realized that I loved it and I loved expressing myself and I loved inspiring people and being open about mental health. And that's kind of been the thread that's tied everything that I've done online together um, is mental health and mental well-being and actually feeling good in what you're doing, no matter what it is that you're doing. Right. (laughs) So I think that that started it out and I didn't get into it to, you know, grow a following or make money. And I got addicted to travel and Mm -hmm. I was like, how can I build a life and a career where I have the freedom to not get the two weeks vacation that normal Americans Don't get get, me started. And Canadians. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Two weeks. Two weeks. Who Who could do anything with two weeks? It, it's ridiculous. And like, uh, it's so crazy that you say that, sorry to, to interject, but that was the whole catalyst behind me moving to the, to the UK. I was yeah. like, I want to see more of the world. And I didn't even know that they got more vacation time over here. I just thought if I was based in England, I could travel abroad so much more easy. And it's so funny how travel can really make, <laughs> make the most massive life decisions in pursuit Absolutely. of it. Yeah, totally. And I think that it is such a enriching, you know, experience to see other Mm -hmm. cultures and be a part of other cultures and experience other cultures. And for me, that's why I started a network marketing business. And I know network marketing has a lot of stigma and it's just an industry that like leaves a bad taste in a lot of people's mouth, which I totally acknowledge. But I do think when done right, when done with an aligned company, that you can make a very lucrative life. And I know for me, I wouldn't have gotten into the online space as far as earning money online if it weren't for network marketing. And so I still have a network marketing business. I don't pursue it full time anymore. It's kind of really a a passive thing for me as my, you know, um, desire to be online has diminished. So I'm like, how can I design more long lasting content? And, you know, I have learned so much from being in an industry that everyone criticized because it allowed me to understand what I believed in and what I didn't believe in and 
who I wanted to be and show up as that person unapologetically. And you know, Nicole, from knowing me in the online space and in real life, being friends in real life, that I really am someone who shows up as myself. And I really care very little about what other people think. It's so funny because- (laughs) I don't, I don't swear on this podcast, but I, I can't get to this next thing without swearing, but Paul, <laughs> like I, it's when we went to the Christmas markets a few years back and there was like, um, what's it called? Like they weren't carolers, but they had the trumpets and the trombones and stuff. Yeah. And you were just singing away. <laughs> like Paul's like, she truly just does not give a fuck. <laughs> <laughs> And at that moment, it's like, you are wild, you are crazy. But because of that authenticity, like, it's like, it's your most lovable quality because yeah, I just, I love it about you that you just, you show up who you are, like who you are. But I also think that like having a message, like a deep rooted message, I'm not talking about a marketed, a marketing message allows you to continue to do that. And I love to see how you show up authentically like that. One of the things that I wanted to say, circling it back around to growth, um, because I know, as you said, you started your travel blog, then you went into network marketing, which girl, I will have you back for another podcast episode on that, because you know that that's how (laughs) I got started online as well. And it gets a lot of flack for a lot of reasons. And then now you've kind of shifted into something else that I'm going to, you know, ask you about in a few seconds, but in regards to growth, I know that's a part of the online journey that can really send people's mental health spiraling and something I haven't told you yet. Maybe you noticed, maybe you didn't. I've spoken about it on this podcast so far, but I deleted all my followers. Did you notice? I did notice that I was going to ask you about it. And I didn't know if it was like intentional or what happened there. It was totally intentional, but I just, I came to realize like once I realized what and how I want to show up, I realized I don't need a ton of people following me that one, I've changed my niche so many times because my business has changed so many times. And two, let's talk about algorithms. They don't show your stuff if people aren't engaging with it. And because I changed my niche so many times, I was like, I just want a clean slate. Now, I don't think that you have to start a new account for that, but I'm getting just as many opportunities, even though I've got way less followers and the messages that I'm getting from like the people that actually want to see my content, it's been surreal. And so I thought maybe you could speak to the, cause I know, you know, I haven't, we haven't gone too much into what you do now, but I know you have experience with um, mental health and how to navigate the online space with that, because so many people are triggered by the growth, whether it is the growth of their sales or the growth of their followers, but do we need that growth? And why do we, why do we set these markers that then end up triggering so much of our mental health and how do we safeguard that if we are looking at being on social media? Because it's not just content creators that deal with this. It's regular right. people as well. Yeah, totally. I could talk about this topic all day. So I think it's really important, again, to think about what your individual goals are and to also think about who you're trusting at to advise you of how to get there, yeah. right? Because anyone who says that this is the only way to grow on social media, it, the, the, anyone who says this is the only way to do anything, anything. <laughs> it's 
is a huge red flag to me yeah. is a huge red flag because there are so many ways to grow online. There are so many mm-hmm. ways to make money online. And as you've seen, you do not need 50,000 followers to make money online, right? Yeah. I know plenty of people who are very successful business owners who have a couple hundred followers, yeah. right? Yeah. And so I think it's really important to keep that in context and to realize that if you're in echo chambers and you have all friends and business mentors that are only talking about growth and only talking about making more money and having more followers and getting more engagement, then of course, that's what you are going to focus on, right? So it's really important for you to diversify who you listen to, who you get advice from, and then to also realize, and this is what I studied. So I'll try to keep it short, but I ended up getting an opportunity from social media, from Instagram. I got invited to be on a reality TV show in England in the middle of the pandemic, which is like so random, Mm. but I ended up saying yes, because as I mentioned earlier in the episode, I love travel. And it was the only opportunity that I saw of going on a adventure in 2020. So I jumped on the chance and I ended up doing this international TV show. And it was a competition for a hundred thousand pounds. This allowed me a full month detox offline. And this is after six years of doing the blog and the network marketing business and spending very little time unplugged. And it was literally sent to me from the heavens. I cannot be more grateful for this experience. Spoiler alert. I did not win the show, (laughs) but if you want to watch it, it's called the bridge it's on channel four and HBO max. And it was such a game changer. It's like a draw a line in the sand moment because I realized that my success and my happiness were so intertwined and I needed to figure out how to pick those apart and how to also pick apart my personal brand from who I was as a person. Mm -hmm. And I think when you are someone like I know you are, Nicole, when you put your all into what you do and we are very work-oriented people, it's very easy to get wrapped up. And when you are your brand, like it's confusing and not a lot of people talk about the kind of impact on your mental health when you are your brand, right? Like it is so closely intertwined and there's not a lot of support for that. And so this experience led me to study digital wellness and I'm a certified digital wellness educator. I took a 10 week course and it was very research and psychology driven. And essentially digital wellness is the optimum state of well-being that every user of technology is capable of achieving. So it's this idea that we don't need to demonize technology. It's just that we have to learn about its impact on our mental health, on our physical health, on our communication, on our relationships, on our privacy, right? Like technology touches every area of our life. Mm -hmm. And this isn't just social media. Mm -hmm. This is our phones. This is our email. This is our laptops. This is television screen. This is blue light. This is tech neck. Like there are so many areas that technology touches. And when I learned that there was all of this vocabulary and research, I was like, wait a second. This course is so powerful, but everyone of my cohort of my peers who are in the course with me were like professors at Yale and Harvard and doctors and psychologists. And I was like, influencers need this information. 
Yeah. Content creators need this information. Young girls who think that they need to pose, you know, half naked in every shot and, mm-hmm. you know, sell themselves out. Essentially. Can I interject there really quickly? Yeah. Because it's not just the, like, this is what blows my mind. When you said young girls that sell themselves short by posting half naked, what was the image? Yeah. Of, what was the image that you had in your mind? Like, just like a very racy account that yeah. is like, you but know, just focused on image. That alone spreads across every single niche that I'm noticing. Like whether you are, you know, doing provocative pictures and it's your all your lingerie, or if it is, you know, a fit uh, a fitness influencer, and you know, yeah, they're they're like half naked, or if it is somebody in the plus size community. Now, not to take away from empowering them at all, but I have spoken to so many girls that they're like, I know if I get on social media right now half naked showing my roles, it will, it will solidify me more in the plus size community. And I'm like, absolutely. What have we come to? <laughs> what have we come absolutely. to? Absolutely. And it, it's like, you know, I, like I post bikini shots. I yep. post in, in my sports bra. Like I like live in my sports bra. Yeah. You know that like, yeah. and so I, it's that line of like, I'm not, you know, degrading those women who choose to, and I've done it in the past as well. And I know that it does help engagement and that it does draw attention. Like I did a post for international women's day. And I was like, what I was really thinking about, like, what was my message going to be this year? And I ended up doing a reel in a bikini and it's like, I don't, you know, I'm really, I'm really confident in my body. I've done so much work. I have a really Mm. healthy relationship with myself and with my body image, which I know a lot of women don't, but I have such a healthy relationship with my body that I don't feel like I have to talk about it. Yeah. Right. And I feel like that's another nuance of, of the online world is that sometimes, and we've talked about this before. We talked about it on your episode on, on my podcast is that a lot of times people are posting the advice that they need. Right. And that's such an interesting angle that it's like, you can be really inspiring online, but are you embodying that in your real life? And, you know, and, and it's like, that's what I started to realize is that with learning so much about digital wellness, I was like, wait a second, like, I am a wellness coach and I need to make sure that my digital habits are supporting my overall yeah. well-being yeah. and not just supporting my goals as an entrepreneur, mm-hmm. right? Because you can get so wrapped up in it, right? You can get mm-hmm. so wrapped up in it. And it's called always on culture. It's this definition. And it actually means that we have this imaginary feeling that we need to be always on, always connected, even when that need is not present. And that is something that we are all struggling from, right? We we feel like we need to be available on our phone or on social or on email for clients, for family members. If there's an emergency, it's like, remember, there were times where like you went out for the day and you couldn't be reached. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like that wasn't that long ago, but Mm. we've created this culture of immediacy uh, of urgency of immediacy. And 
we're all playing into it. And so that's really the mission behind what I'm doing with my podcast, Charge My Core, and I'm building it out into a brand, but I've taken my sweet time with it because of exactly what we're talking about is I didn't want to launch into Charge My Core and make an online course and make a, you know, like really push the Instagram and do all these reels about digital wellness, because I'm like, I'm trying to protect my own digital wellness. I'm trying to embody what I am teaching to others. And this is where that tying back to, you know, the first idea of doing better, you know, and not more is that I know that I'm still connected to my platform. I still have this thread, even though my niche has kind of changed and evolved, everything ties back to mindset with enthusiasm And Charge My Core is all about self-discovery in a digital world. And I think that that is my purpose. That is my mission, no matter what my specific niche at that time is going to be and what my paid offering is. I help people to understand themselves better so that they can show up fully. Like, yeah. Amazing. That's it. <laughs> and one of the things that I wrote down when you were talking about niche and stuff, I wrote thread versus niche, because I think you've had a common thread throughout everything that you've done that even though you switch niches slightly, it's still able to support your next move. And I think right. looking back on my journey, I had no common thread through everything. Now I like to say that my thread or my niche is leveling up. And sometimes that's going to be about what's on the outside, what I'm wearing, what I'm putting on my face, et cetera. But sometimes that means leveling up what I'm eating, leveling up how I'm writing, letting leveling up with what I'm reading. And I think that's maybe something that content creators need to shift a little bit, because I think when you just have like a niche, it places you into, I almost look at it as per like, the thread is your morals and your values, right? Whereas when it's a niche, it pushes you into doing things that you wouldn't typically do that makes your morals and your values get questioned. Whereas when it's like a thread, that is, it's like a thread that's running through all the veins of your life. And then you can show up a little bit more authentically and not, not feel like a fraud. Because then I think that goes back to another reason why people have mental health problems with social media is because they know that they're not, doing what they're preaching online even though they're like exactly their captions you know so it's just it's exactly a funny thing now I know you primarily are working with content creators but do you have like one tip because we we talked a little bit about what we can do to uh safeguard content creators when they're kind of chasing after that growth but what about yeah people like what about the people that are just you know they're not putting their life out there online in a marketing aspect but they're just sharing their what they're doing their day-to-day because I have people in my personal life that when they put up an Instagram post and they're these are like just normal normal people (laughs) and not trying to do anything with social media but they make every single one of their family members go and like their posts and I'm like yeah did this that like, I don't understand because you're not doing anything for a business on social media. So why do you need this? So is there anything that you can give advice for, for regular people? Yes. I love this question, Nicole. And I think it's such a good point. And there's actually a study that we learned about in our course that qualifies 
social media users into two categories and there's active users and there's passive users and active users are people who are posting, who are commenting, who are liking, who are following accounts that they actually care about. Not just like the Kardashians because everyone follows the Kardashians. It's like, I don't follow any of the Kardashians and I never have, like I I I never have. (laughs) <laughs> but they go through the certain seasons of their life where like, cause like, let's just say Kim first, for example, there's times where she might have a style that is more in line with what I like to show up like. And then there's times where she's not. So I'm like, I'm just going to unfollow you for now because I'm not necessarily a fan of you. I just liked your particular style in that moment. But right. My little, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it's like, you can really determine who you follow. And I feel like a lot of people who aren't content creators follow a lot of celebrities and a lot of like, just like bigger accounts and things, because it's just like normal to do that. Mm -hmm. Whereas I feel like if you are a content creator, you you spend a lot more time. So I think you're more discerning in, in who you follow and why you follow them. Yeah. But as as far as being an active user, that's actually better for you. You feel more connected to social media when you are engaging in social media than being a passive user who never posts, who never comments, right? And we know as creators that it's great for engagement when people comment, but it's also great for you feeling connected to what you are viewing when yeah. you actually engage in it, right? And yeah. that's the difference between like us having this conversation and then us just listening to a podcast, we feel way more engaged because you and I are talking and we're bouncing off each other and we're sharing energy than if we listen to another person's conversation. Mm -hmm. So you can look at social media the same way. So one, one quick piece of advice is to be a more active user. Like I never thought you would have said that. I never yeah. thought you would have said that. <laughs> I know it is, is to be active in, in what you engage with. Don't just mindlessly scroll through things as if it's not even something you're connected to. If you like a celebrity's message, you know, or an influencer's message and you're like, oh, they'll never read my comment, right? They might, and they might need your encouragement and your support. So that's a a quick way to get more out of your time that you're already spending, right? And then it's also just evaluating your relationship. I always say a great digital wellness habit, and this isn't just for social media, but is to protect your edges. So to make sure that you have unplugged time in the morning, at mealtimes and in the evening, because this allows you to separate your life from the online world, right? Because it can so quickly become intertwined. And then you also need to understand the dopamine response and the hook model. So a great point to think about social media is understanding the hook model. And Nir Ayal is the author of this book and it's called Hooked. And essentially he wrote it to try to help people understand why they got hooked on things. But it's also kind of used by companies to then like retroactively uh, reverse engineer their apps to make sure 
that they're hooking people. So in the digital wellness community and space, people are like, is this a good book or is this not? Because Mm. it's also allowing Mm. companies to understand what makes people Mm. get hooked. So essentially there's a trigger for you to engage in whatever it is on social media, right? And so that might be boredom, that might be habit, that might be a feeling of loneliness, right? A lot of times it is an emotional trigger, which you obviously have to have emotional intelligence to be aware of that being an emotional trigger. And then there is an action, which is, you know, logging onto your Instagram. For most people, there's a very low entry barrier. It's right there on your home screen, right? And so then there's a reward. And with social media, it's a variable reward. So when you log on to social media, you never know what you're going to get, right? Mm-hmm. You could get a really nice comment from someone. You could get a, a, a strange DM. You could get a troll. You could have see something about the war, about the pandemic, about a social justice issue. You could see something that was really triggering. You could see something that was really inspiring. You could see something that's really funny, right? So in psychology, this is called a variable reward because your brain doesn't know what to expect. And there's, uh, I think Tristan Harris coined the term uh, of thinking of your phone is like a slot machine is Mm. that you're just like, you know, pulling down the lever and you don't know what's going to happen. That's a variable reward. And so it's trigger action reward. And then there's investment. So for a regular user of social media, for them, that investment may be staying connected to their community. It might be that sense of outward validation that they are important, that they are seen. And There's other layers of building, you know, this hook model is that really good apps have these three things and that's the sense of self, right? So you're posting pictures of yourself, you're posting pictures of your life, of your family. And for a lot of people, even if they're not content creators, it allows them to express who they want to be to the outside world, right? Whether that's who they actually are or not, that's a different question, but it's that sense of self. And the next step is the community aspect. So human beings crave connection, right? And we know that no matter if you have only, you know, 25 people in your real life that follow you, that's still a little online community that follows you. And most people, even regular users do have more followers than that. It's people you've been connected to in different areas of your life, maybe from, you know, your childhood, maybe from different places you've lived, maybe if you went to university from university. And so you have this sense of community online. So you have a sense of self, you have a sense of community, and then you have a hunt right? And this is the hook model is that you don't know what to expect and you can always get more. So you can search for vacations. You can search for new clothing, new makeup products, new, new everything, right? Any material item that you want, you can search for people with hashtag relationship goals. You can hunt for whatever. And there is a bottomless bowl, right? So the bottomless bowl theory means that we can scroll 
endlessly on social yeah. media. Yeah. There is no stop. There is no bottom to the newsfeed. There is no end in sight, right? And that is because they want you to stay hooked. So that's the hook model. So I feel like understanding that can empower a regular user to understand why, what is the trigger to go on social? What is the action I partake in? So can I make there, there be a bigger barrier to getting on social media if I'm wanting to change my habits, right? Can I delete it from my home screen? Can I delete the app altogether if I only really want to log in once in a while? Um, what is the reward, right? And this is again, understanding dopamine is the reward chemical. So when you're getting likes, when you're getting comments, when you're getting engagement, you're getting dopamine and we love dopamine. Yes, we do. (laughs) That's again, another podcast in itself. Yes. ADHD, sugar, social media. I know there's the hints (laughs) there. There you go. Um, yeah. And so I think that those, you know, understanding the hook model, protecting your edges as a normal user, and then being an active user when you do choose to partake in social media, not just mindlessly scrolling, right? Because I think what I've learned about digital wellness and all of my conversations about it, and when people get really open and honest, it is the fact that we start to use it as a numbing source, right? And anything we use to numb our emotions and our experience of life, in my opinion, isn't the best thing, right? Like alcohol, substances, shopping, food, Mm. social media, anything that we use to numb our experience of life. It's not that scrolling is inherently bad. And this is actually, people have done research on this. And obviously a lot of the digital wellness research is still happening, right? We don't know what the impact is yet fully. Um, And so, but scrolling in itself is not inherently bad. It Mm. is mindless scrolling. That is what has that negative implication. It is scrolling and not commenting and not liking and not partaking in the world, the online world that you choose to be in. So that would be kind of my, my, no, that's good. I don't know if that was concise, but no, uh, it doesn't matter if it was concise. I know we have to wrap it up in a few minutes anyways, but like, I think that the value was there. So I think a lot of people will benefit from that. So thank you for sharing. One of the things that I wrote down that I'm taking away is understanding the the emotional trigger. And I think going back to a content creator standpoint, I feel like an emotional trigger also leads to a financial trigger. And that's one of the things that I understood during the pandemic that allowed me to kind of start making changes in how I showed up there was a lot of things that happened um and I know I've spoken to you about this like during Black Lives Matter there was a lot that was required of me in my workplace that put me into a different emotional sphere and it showed me it, it triggered an emotional reaction that was then tied to my financial Yeah. And so it really allowed me to see, okay, this isn't how I want to be showing up online. And so I think sometimes if you have a journey like Susie and I did, where you were in network marketing and then you become your own personal brand, when you become your own personal brand, there's no boundary as per what you share, but then going through some more difficult times on social media during the pandemic, I saw, actually, I do want some boundaries to be here 
to be there on what I share. And it made Absolutely. me kind of figure out, well, what is it that I want to be sharing? Because I'm not just sharing everything and anything at this point, but that then also allowed me to see, okay, well, I'm taking a lot of things away. And that's where, you know, when I was on your podcast, podcast, I think it was last August, I had all of these goals that I was looking to smash out. And I do still want to smash those goals out. But I realized that I was putting myself at that place from a scarcity mindset, because going back to something you said a few minutes ago, it was like, why are we rushing through? Why are we rushing through these things? And I realized, right, I have enough money to survive. So why am I pushing myself to this brink of collapse yeah and it's because I had a scarcity mindset and that scarcity mindset was triggered by the like fine like financial aspect of it which then when you get to it it's an emotional trigger so I really love that you touched on that now yeah I know that you have to go do a driving lesson girl I'm right behind (laughs) you with that driving lesson gotta get driving here in the UK um but I thought it would be really amazing if you could let the viewers know or sorry the listeners know what's next for you and where to find you if they've been touched by this conversation? Yeah, for sure. And I just want to say, like, I think to touch back on what you just said about, you know, the financial standpoint. And I think it's really easy to get caught up in the arrival fallacy. So I think we all know what the arrival fallacy is, but sometimes we don't know that that's the term. It's the I'll be happy when, When, right? And so in the online world, it's so easy for us to think, especially as hardworking, driven, independent women, that when I get to this marker of success, whether that's income or impact or followers or whatever numbers, metrics, right? That everything will be sorted. And Mm. then I can step away from social media. And it's like, no, you gotta build what you want to build in the way that you want to live your life forever. And that's what I believe in wellness as well, that you shouldn't do any drastic thing for any reason that you can't sustain. And of course, you know, you can tilt into seasons of focus. Absolutely. I'm not, you know, saying that there's never going to be times where you don't have to focus on a certain goal and really push for that goal, but then it's letting other things in your life and in your socials, you know, fall away. Mm -hmm. When I started my podcast, I realized that I couldn't create content for social media in the same way and consistently run and create my podcast and do all the show notes and all the editing and everything that I pour into my show, which I'm so proud of and love. So that is a great place for you to find me. You can definitely still find me on Instagram because I do still have, you know, my, my personal brand and I do love to connect and show up there. So that's at Enthusiasm. My podcast has its own Instagram at Charge My Core, which is a digital wellness brand. So I don't post on there very frequently, but I definitely update about episodes. And what's next for me is very exciting. I will be doing my yoga teacher training at the end of April. This is something I've wanted to do for a really long time. And because I am so high energy and so hyper yoga and meditation and spirituality gives me a calm that doesn't exist in me naturally. And so I feel super drawn to it. I also feel super drawn to showing people that yoga doesn't have to coincide with like being a dirty hippie, that you can do it from a place of really 
loving and nurturing your body and slowing down and getting to that point where you can charge your core. So the yoga will be tied into the digital wellness brand. And I'm working on in the background, um, getting a getting a book deal. So I'm working on pitching myself to publishers. So that is a big goal of mine and really enjoying the ride. Like that is where Mm. I see myself going is, is slowing down, is being present and realizing that wherever I'm at, whatever I try next is the right move. And I'm trusting myself in that. And I think that is the biggest thing I've learned from taking a step back from social Mm -hmm. media is that I don't need another guru. I don't need another inspirational quote. I don't need another self-development book. I need to really tune into myself and what feels right for me, for my life, for my career, for my family and focus on that. And everything else is just noise, right? Totally. (laughs) And it's just like, just quickly piggybacking off of that. Whatever people think they need for social media, you need like 10 times less. You know, you don't need, you don't need that. I think when you have strategy, you can really fulfill yourself in these different ways. And I can't wait to see the book. I can't wait to see yoga. I can't wait to see everything that you've got coming next. So thank you for being so great. Like just so great. It was absolutely amazing. And I think that people are going to really enjoy this episode because it's not the stereotypical, like put people on mute, unfollow them. You know, those things are great, but we need more. We need more. So thank you so much. Of course. Thank you, Nicole. It's been a pleasure. I love chatting with you as always. Likewise. We'll speak soon. Bye. Bye. How much did we learn from Susie in that podcast episode? so much, right? She's a ball of energy. She's a wealth of knowledge and she is someone that I'm proud to call my friend. If you enjoyed this podcast episode, I'd be so honored if you head over to Instagram and check out Susie and I. I'm sure there are tons of resources on leveling up over on my account and social media mindset and digital wellness over on Susie's account. So I hope you enjoyed this episode and I hope you join me back for another episode in this season all about how we can do things in life better but not necessarily needing to do more of it thanks for listening